Downing Bay City, Saginaw Midland. This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Mix. You've waited patiently all day. Oh, wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. The Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Whistling inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. 75 yards by Monty Williams. Uh, I always do that. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. What's going on, Great Lakes Bay region? Ben Bosher here in the Blazy Electra studio here on Sports Radio 100.9. The Rip, beautiful day outside. We're going to have a fun show. Got some good stuff planned out. We've even got a mock draft later on. Local prospects starting to skyrocket up the draft board. Uh, plus, there's an NFL team. Stealing the Pistons motto. Huh. Don't know why anyone would want anything to do with the Pistons, but here we are. Before we get into the main conversation of today, just have to throw this out there. Central Michigan hoops? 3-0 and in overtime this year after last night's win against Bowling Green. You do not want to see this team in the tournament. Do not let them win the MAC. Michigan State, be on the lookout. This is a team that can win games. Tony Barbie, former assistant at the University of Kentucky over under Coach Calipari, Central Michigan head coach, Stock on the rise. This team knows how to win good games, close games. Uh, Ken Palm has this little luck metric. They call it luck. It could be called clutch. It'd be the same stat. It basically measures your ability to win close games. Central number one in the country out of 364 teams. Chippewas are doing some great things in Mount Pleasant. The Spartans, on the other hand, woo-wee. We got to talk about last night's game. Last night, Iowa came to the Breslin Center and opened the door and did whatever they wanted. Now, let's go over a few key numbers here that, on the surface, seem like all great things. 53 field goal attempts per game if you're Michigan State. That's your average. Yesterday, you shot the ball 60 times. Iowa was held to 55 field goal attempts. So you shot five more times in them. You shot seven more times than your average. Those are all good numbers, right? No. That's going to be a fun new button we got. Um, No, that's a terrible thing because you let Iowa come in and dictate the pace of the game. Yesterday, our lock of the day was Iowa's team under. We believed, all right, Michigan State's going to be able to control the pace of this game because they're at home. They're playing in the Breslin Center. Michigan State's a team that's known for slowing the ball down. In fact, Ken Palm has them like 240th in pace. Iowa comes into the building and just runs up and down the floor, speeds Michigan State up. They came into the game 14th in pace, and that's exactly how they played. And MSU folded and let Iowa dictate the game. In the Breslin Center, of all places, this is a place that is supposed to be the hardest place to play in the Big Ten, And it hasn't been that for the last couple of seasons. It almost feels like Michigan State doesn't have any sort of advantage whatsoever now when they're playing at home. And that was very apparent yesterday, watching all this, everybody on this team. You can't make a layup. I mean, you're never going to win games if you can't make layups. And when I say missing layups, 
I don't mean missing layups over guys. Missing tough shots. I mean bunnies. I mean stuff that the average person has a chance at making. Carson Cooper can't tie his own shoes, let alone put a ball in a basket. He had eight missed layups throughout the course of the game. Five in the second half. A.J. Hogard, I know he finished with either 15 or 16 points. That dude's got no touch at the rim. He's all muscle. He looks like a football player driving. You can't miss layups and expect to win the game if you're Michigan State or go on a March Madness run whatsoever. Oh, maybe it's a bad game. It's kind of been a common theme this year. You know what else has been a common theme? Not playing your five-star recruit. Feel like a broken record, but it just continues to be a problem. Carson Cooper would be lucky to start at Central. All right, Marcus Harding's pretty good. Can extend the floor, big body, kind of dominates the Mac. Carson Cooper, I'm not sure would be a Mac player of the year. I'm not sure would make an all-Mac team. Xavier Booker comes into the game in the first half and instantly, upon checking in, makes an impact. As he does every single time. He comes in, stretches the floor, which is something Carson Cooper cannot do. Matty Sissoko cannot do. Watch how teams defend their pick and roll when those two guys are in the game. They keep their center with two feet under the basket because they are zero threat to do anything on the outside. They're zero threat to do anything on the inside. Yet Xavier Booker comes in, instantly stretches the floor, hits a jump shot, and gets fouled. Gets to the line. Gets a block two possessions later on defense. He's a menace. He's long. He can play defense. You can't bully him. Unlike some of the other centers on this team. Opponents might be shooting 107% on Carson Cooper this year. Don't look it up. Real stat. He plays a total of six minutes, and it's getting to the point where, all right, now, now it's too late. All right, you, you screwed up, Tom Izzo. It's too late. He can't play tournament minutes anymore. He can't play Big Ten tournament minutes. You waited too long in the season to get his feet wet. Usually, he played double the minutes he plays typically yesterday and still only played six minutes. If you're Xavier Booker or Cohen Carr, what's the point of playing for this team? What's the point of going to practice every day? You're these high-star recruits, high-flying guys, and you can't get in the game. Despite every time you get in the game, you're making an impact. Now, Cohen Carr... Maybe a, a bit of an exception yesterday the way that I was playing in zone. He can't really stretch the floor. But you know who does, in fact, stretch the floor and break zones? Oh, yeah. Maybe the highest recruit Tom Izzo's ever had. He comes in and makes impacts. And now it's just too late. Like, you could have messed around with this at the beginning of the season. I don't know, play him 10 minutes a game. That doesn't seem like much to ask for. And gradually, maybe 12. Maybe now you're at the point where you're playing him 15 minutes a game. I'm not even asking you to play him half the game. But have him be comfortable playing D1 basketball. Come March. Because now he's a zero. Now he can't contribute anything. Because you buried him all regular season in the games that shouldn't have mattered, but did matter because you couldn't string together enough wins to guarantee you're going to be a high seed. If Michigan State were to have won yesterday, you're probably looking at an eight or seven seed projection. But it's like two steps forward, one step back with this team. Now you're looking at probably a 10 or 11 seed with the new projections. 
and you've got Purdue coming up on the schedule. Have fun. Now, everybody likes it. Oh, well, it's Tom Izzo. He's going to figure it out. You know what he couldn't figure out how to do yesterday? Call a timeout. I was in the middle of this big run in the second half, and guess how many timeouts Tom Izzo used? Uno. One timeout called in the second half of this game. Now, I get it. There's the medias. You can use that to talk to your team. But, Tom, newsflash, those timeouts don't roll into the next contest. You don't get extra timeouts next game. Use them. Use them. When a team's going on a run, stop the game. You can't just rely on your team to bail you out because that's not what they've done all season long. And here's the other thing. You have to make your free throws. Mm-hmm. Michigan State is 241 in the country in free throw percentage at 70. Yesterday, they went 7 for 14 from the charity stripe. And the Izone, the student section, has the audacity to chant, Refs, you suck. Refs, you suck. Refs, you suck. Because Iowa shot 18 for 23. Iowa made more free throws than you attempted yesterday. And the Izone has the audacity to say, Refs, you suck. I know what a lot of people are thinking. Well, that doesn't seem like a fair discrepancy. First of all, you got to make your free throws and your layups before you start complaining about the discrepancy. And second of all, you have the third best free throw margin in your advantage, in your favor in the Big Ten. So don't give me the we don't get the whistle because it just hasn't been true all season long. And when you're missing layups, you're not going to get as many whistles. It's just a matter of fact. Ask the Pistons. You got out-rebounded again to nobody's surprise, despite the fact that you played two big guys at a time. I mean, I mean, do you really believe that this team can go on a run? Because every time it's they start to turn a corner, they get smacked in the face by a team like Iowa, who, yeah, maybe is a tournament team, but nothing special. And that's what Michigan State has felt like for the last five years. Nothing special. You'll, you'll run into the nerds that tell you, the analytic nerds, and hell, I can be an analytic nerd at time. I have nothing wrong with those people. But there's a good argument that, well, look at the advanced stats. Michigan State's top 30 on both offense and defense. They're one of about 10-ish teams to be top 30 in the country in both categories on Ken Palm. Ken Palm will tell you they had the fifth hardest schedule so far this season. Most of the Big Ten teams are up there. So if you want to be a little analytical and say, well, statistically, they have the metrics to back it up and actually go on a run. They have the seniors. They have the coach, the experience. Those those seniors were terrible yesterday. Awful. Tom Izzo has been, eh, for five years. You want to know what their record is in the last 70 Big Ten, 75 Big Ten games? 40 and 35 What's special about that? Do you think this team, the team we watched last night, can go on a run? That team last night would be lucky to have a 10-point game versus any real good team in the March Madness tournament. 989-837-6125. I want to know where people are at on this. Because it really does feel like 
every time we hype this team up, we start to believe in them. They just fall flat on their face. It's like they pick it up, start jogging, start running, and the second they get into a real uh, real sprint, they trip over their own shoes. They were at home last night. There is no excuse for what happened. If you're on the road, you shoot bad from outside, I get it. But you hit more threes than Iowa did yesterday. You're at home. If you look at the box score, there's really not that big of a discrepancy in anything besides the free throws. And if you want to complain about, oh, well, we didn't get the call last night, you have to make your layups. Or else you're going to stop getting the calls. It's simple. 989-837-6125. How far do you think this team can go in the March Madness tournament? Because I'm at the point where I don't think they can do anything. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to win three games in a row. Um, They're going to beat Purdue. And then we're going to have to believe in them again. But it's just the same cycle. Every five games, they do the same exact thing. 989-837-6125. Plus, someone kind of hinted at discreetly nominating himself for the Michigan State head coaching job, which isn't up for grabs by any means. Tom Izzo would have to walk away. He's never going to get fired. But if he walks away this offseason, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. But he could also coach for another six years, and I wouldn't be shocked. But someone kind of threw their name in the hat as potential people to replace him last night on the old X, the old Twitter. I'll tell you who it is next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. 989-837-6125. That Michigan State team I watched last night, they're not going on a March Madness run. I mean, they have the pieces to do it. They have the upperclassmen. They have the foundation. But they can't get out of their own way. And when push comes to shove, they haven't been great in these type of situations. When their back's against the wall... And they got to fight from behind and make sure they can secure a win late in a game. They haven't been great. They haven't been the team that you fear. The old Michigan State way. The old Tom Izzo in a suit, screaming, red face, vein about to pop on his forehead. They haven't been that team in years. And the team I watched last night's just not going on a run. And it's a shame. Because this was the team that was promised to be the team to get over the hump. They came into the season pre-ranked number four in the country. You had all these seniors. You had this five-star recruit that was supposed to terrorize the University of Michigan for the next four seasons. Well, maybe one or two uh, because he was supposed to be a one and done. That's not happening anymore because you can't go to the NBA when you play four minutes a game. It really is a shame that Xavier Booker doesn't play because every time he comes in, for the last three minutes of the first half, he makes an impact right away. And last night after the game, somebody asked Tom Izzo, hey, is Xavier Booker going to play more going forward? Because he did well tonight, but you didn't play him in the second half. Here's what Tom Izzo had to say. The bully ball they played, um, that's where his strength just... And then we tried to put him on a perimeter guy, and, you know, he's just not, you know... But uh, I'm not I'm not disappointed in Booker. I just got to find the right matchups for him, and... Uh, and Cohen, because they played so much zone, it just wasn't the time. But both those guys are making progress. But if our other guys play like they did, they're going to play more even if they can't play. Okay, so, yeah, I don't have a problem with Cohen Carr because the matchup wasn't playing, can't really shoot the ball outside. If they're going to play a zone, it's hard to play non-shooters. But 
I was playing bully ball, so you don't want to play Xavier Booker, who has a block almost every time he plays. Rarely fouls, gets to the line, can stretch the floor. That's exactly how you beat a zone. Now, I'm not saying Tom Izzo has lost his mind. I'm not saying he can't coach anymore. But he can't coach at the level he used to be able to, and I think that's become apparent. He's old school. I hate to break it to you, Tom Izzo, but the players aren't getting any... Well, I guess they do get older as they stay at Michigan State, but it's not like you're getting another generation that's going to come in and be this tough, gritty group of guys. It's just not what's happening. Getting younger guys. The guys that are coming to play for MSU are kids. They're TikTokers. They're Fortniters. They're not built to be screamed at. You don't have to like that. Most people don't, but it's reality. They're not going to be the same guys that you recruited in 2005. It's a different generation. And Tom Izzo is not adapting. He's been very open that he hates the transfer portal. You have to use the transfer portal in order to build a successful team. And two of Michigan State's best players of the last five seasons, Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker, have come from the portal. So when he uses the portal, it works. But then he just refuses to do it. I don't get it. I don't understand not calling a timeout in the first half. I don't understand playing two bigs at a time and both of them can't shoot, Manny Sissoko and Carson Cooper. If you're going to do that, if you're going to play the whole two bigs thing, why not have Xavier Booker be the four so you can stretch the floor? Or do the complete opposite of that and play small ball. No bigs. Cohen Carr's your five. I think teams would have a really hard time trying to stop that offense with not five guards on the floor, but to not have a true big man out there space the floor, Michigan State's going to be able to run up and down and get buckets. Now, that's not what they want to do. They want to slow the game down. But last night against Iowa, Iowa kicked open the door of the Breslin Center and said, we're going to play our brand of basketball. Get used to it. You're the team that has to adjust. That can't happen at home if you're Michigan State. If you can't force a team to play your brand of basketball at home, how do you expect to force a team in March to play your brand of basketball at a neutral site? Before yesterday's game, Michigan State was a projected eight seed. And after last night's loss against Iowa at home, it's not looking good. I mean, you're probably going to make the tournament, let's be honest. No one's sitting here saying, well, Michigan State, Michigan State's not making the tournament any year, uh, this year. You're going to be there. So you can keep the precious little streak going. But what good is it if you're not going to go on a run? This team is past its prime. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people out there are probably thinking, well, what does your team do? Your team's terrible. My team's Central Michigan. And they're kicking butt in the Mac. Michigan on the other... I, I mean, Michigan's terrible. Everybody knows it. It's disappointing, but in a very different way. Michigan State has these high expectations. They're supposed to be one of the best teams in the nation, year in and year out. 
And ever since the COVID year, you know, that year that Michigan State would have won it all, the tournament would have been played. Middle of the pack at best. You've got four games left if you're Michigan State. Uh, You're home against Ohio State, which I'd like to lock that in as Uh, Lock that in as a win on Sunday at 4 p.m. Ohio State's second-worst team in the Big Ten. Uh, On the road against Purdue, Zach Eady is going to do menacing things to this team. Northwestern at home, that's a toss-up. Northwestern's been one of the better teams in the Big Ten this year. And then you close out the season on the road against Indiana. There's a realistic way where you finish the season 2-2, and and it's like, eh. Guess we're a eight seed in the Big Ten tournament. Hope we win a few games and can climb up to a seven seed in the conference tournament. Can't lose these games. These 50-50 games like Northwestern, like Indiana, you got to win those. Uh, and Michigan State, it feels like they can't win four games in a row, let alone three. So there you go. That's who they've got the rest of the season. Um, and, and like I said, nobody knows if Tom Izzo's going to hang it up. It's all speculation at this point. But someone did kind of hint that, hey, I'm going to float my name out there as maybe a college basketball coach one day. I'm going to float my name out there. I don't know. Maybe even to be the coach at my old alma mater. Guy from around here. Guy from Saginaw. Draymond Green. He's currently on the Warriors, currently playing basketball uh, in the NBA, so obviously won't be taking this job anytime soon. But Draymond Green went to the old social media last night, went to X, and said, I personally think if I coached college basketball, I'd destroy all of these guys. Pretty bold statement for someone who's never coached a game in their lives. I'll continue reading. I just watched Chris Bell, who's a Syracuse player, start 8-for-8 from 3 in the first half and finish 8-for-10. They didn't have to set him one back screen, but only sat in the corner. Didn't run a pick and roll with him as the back action. So he's basically just dogging the Syracuse head coach, um, which is Adrian Autry. Syracuse ended up winning the game uh, yesterday. So kind of crazy to just call out the coach and say he's doing a bad job. I don't know. Do would I know there was a while where Michigan State fans were like, oh, yeah, Draymond's like the prodigy. He's going to be the, the Tom Izzo replacement. Really? Are we sure? You sure you're not just getting Jawan Howard reincarnated into a, into a Michigan State Spartan? We sure Draymond Green's suitable for a, a college head coaching job? This is the same guy who just went to anger management class a couple of weeks ago. And shout out Draymond. I love watching Draymond. He's one of my favorite players, but and I'm sure if he heard this, he'd tell me I'm uh, I'm completely wrong and he has the the willpower to be a head coach, to lead young men. And that's not necessarily what I'm arguing, but he's never been a head coach. I don't know if he's an X's and O's guy. He's not qualified to take over a D1 program like that. Not Michigan State. But if you're Michigan State, are you willing to do the flashy thing and just hand him the car keys? We'll see. 989-837-6125. How far do you think Michigan State can make it in this March Madness tournament? And I guess I'll throw the question out. Do you want Draymond Green to ever be the head coach of this team? Plus, an NFL team, well, a local college prospect, is skyrocketing it up NFL boards. We'll hit it next on The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. The Payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. 
All right, we've got our first ever mock draft here on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. You guys can text in 989-837-6125. Give us a call. Leave a voicemail if you please. We do have our first mock draft, though. I want to go over some of the key picks. Obviously, we'll get to the Lions, uh, some guys that they should have their eyes on. But before we do that, something caught my eye in the NFL today. Um, An NFL team is trying to steal something from the Pistons. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. So Max Crosby had his coach on his podcast called The Rush. And Antonio Pierce had a few things to say. Here's a little snippet from it. Man, we got to knock off the team we got We got to knock off the head of the snake. 15. Hate the color red. Like, we, we saw red, we hate red. And I told him there's a difference between dislike and hatred. There's a hatred for the Chiefs. Okay, so that was Antonio Pierce, Raiders head coach, talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and how much he hates and despises this team. Now, there is a good reason he hates this team. The Raiders are 1-10 in 10 versus Mahomes in the last 11 games, ever since Mahomes has been the starter. The Chiefs have won AFC eight straight AFC West championships. So yeah, I get it why he hates the red. But he goes on to say, you know, the bad boys, we want to create that mentality. What the Pistons had in the late 80s, early 90s, That's how we want to brand ourselves as the Raiders, the bad boys. So what they did was create the Mahomes rules, a replica of the Jordan rules. He goes on to say he sent his team a bunch of highlights of the Pistons just beating the crap out of Michael Jordan. That's what they were going to do to Mahomes. They were going to make him uncomfortable. And sure enough, they won that game on Christmas Day, the day we wrote off the Chiefs. Well, the day everyone else wrote off the Chiefs. That's when I doubled down on them. Christmas Day, they end up actually doing pretty well against him. Four sacks, 10 QB hits. One of the worst days of Mahomes' career. But I'm just listening to this like, really? Come up with your own thing. Like, we're already the bad boys. We had the Jordan rules. You can't just steal that from us. Come up with something new. There's a reason this guy uh, really had to fight and claw despite the team loving him. And I get it. Like It's, it's hard to go at the guy being someone who, who's a fan of Dan Campbell. And yeah, he does some crazy stuff in front of a microphone. But one thing Dan Campbell would never do is hop on podcasts and start saying nonsense like this. I'm out on, Anto- uh, on Antonio Pierce after that. I'm good. Still pick the Chiefs. Still pick the Chargers in that division over him. And to be honest, I'd probably pick the Broncos too. By the way, Broncos, team we might have to talk about in this mock draft. Okay, first mock draft we're doing this uh, season. I'm sure there'll be more uh, to come. April 27th is the day of the draft in Detroit. Hopefully we can get there. Hear that, Brad? Hopefully we can get to the draft, right? There it is. Uh, Okay, 2024 NFL mock draft. This one's from the draft network.com by Ryan Fowler, draft expert. So number one pick, we talked about this a lot yesterday. Uh, What is the best case scenario for the Lions? What's the worst case scenario for the Lions? And I think it's pretty clear. The worst case scenario for the Lions is if the Bears hold on to this number one overall pick, trade Justin Fields and take Caleb Williams. That seems more and more what's going to happen every single day. 
Uh, I mean, we dove way into it yesterday. So if you want more on that, search the payoff wherever you get your podcast. But Justin Fields, you trade him, you get picks. You already have two first-round picks if you're the Bears. And then you potentially get a generational quarterback. And I get it. A lot of people out there, oh, Caleb Williams, he's soft. He's not going to be that guy. Sure, whatever. We said C.J. Stroud was dumb, and Ohio State quarterbacks would never figure it out. And Here we are. C.J. Stroud's one of the best quarterbacks in the league already. Now, I'm not saying Caleb Williams will come out of the scene in Chicago and be an all-star, be a superstar from day one, but there's a guy that's being compared to Mahomes, not to mention the Bears already have an identity. They run the football. They stop the run. They control the trenches. They're built similar to how the Lions are doing, just without the weapons on the outside. Uh, and they don't blitz as much on defense. Actually, they blitz almost 0% of the time. But Caleb Williams would have a strong run support game and a pretty solid defense, uh, similar to Lions. Not necessarily the secondary, depending on where Jalen Johnson goes. Now I'm just rambling. But Caleb Williams, number one, that's where this mock draft has him going. Uh, kind of a no-brainer there. Whoever's picking one is picking Caleb Williams. Washington Commanders, number two, Drake May. Now there's... That same audience that thinks Caleb Williams is going to be a bust is the same audience that thinks Drake May is going to be the number one overall pick or should be the number one overall pick. I'm pretty sure that audience, like 90% of those people, have never seen Drake May play. I don't know a ton of people were sitting down and watching North Carolina last season. North Carolina football taking on Syracuse. Nobody was watching that. So let's relax on the Drake May is going to be a superstar. Unless you were sitting there grinding film and have been for the last couple of months. Let's chill on the Drake Mays better than Caleb Williams. To be honest, I'd flip the two and the three. I think Jaden Daniels, who this mock draft has going number three to New England. Uh, the Patriots are also in need of a quarterback. I think Jaden Daniels probably ends up being the pick at number two. Because after this combine next week, I know we're already there. Jaden Daniels' stock is going to skyrocket the same way Anthony Richardson's stock is going to skyrocket. If anyone remembers last season before, uh, about this time of year, Anthony Richardson, it was like, eh, maybe a top 15 pick. Some teams didn't even have him graded in the first round. And then guess what? He goes third overall because he had a fantastic pro day. He was viewed as one of the best athletes to ever play the quarterback position ever after the combine. That's what ha is going to happen to Jaden Daniels. I think he ends up going three to Washington and New England gets their guy at number three with Drake May. Uh, skipping on down the list. Actually, you know what? Let's hit it four. Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison going to the Arizona Cardinals on this list. Th this is supposed to be a generational talent. I mean, we say Caleb Williams is a lock to be great, but if there's one lock in this draft to be an absolute superstar of a dude, it's Marvin Harrison. Ohio State has been spitting out these awesome wide receivers for a long time, for the better part of the last decade, and Marvin Harrison is supposed to be the best of the bunch. He ends up in Arizona on this mock draft. I think that's what most mocks have, unless someone is willing to trade up to four, but if you're Arizona, you want this guy for Kyler Murray. And I know you want to fix your offensive line. You have some problems there. You definitely have some problems on the defense. But just load up as much weapons as you can for Kyler Murray. Uh, go get a true wide receiver one, and you might have something building out there. Number five, Los Angeles Chargers, Jim Harbaugh, Joe Alt, Notre Dame, uh, widely considered the best tackle in football. And everybody, or in this draft, and 
everybody knows what Jim Harbaugh is trying to do. He's trying to dominate at the line of scrimmage. He's trying to form an elite group of people up front, dominate the trenches. They already have Rashawn Slater, who was drafted the same year Penny Sewell was. And I mean, nobody's Penny Sewell, but Rashawn Slater is one of the better offensive tackles in the NFL, at least on the younger side of things. Yeah, Joe Alt to that all of a sudden, you've got two foundational pieces on your offensive line. Let's skip down the list a little bit. I tease the fact that there's a local guy skyrocketing up draft boards. No, it's not Roman Wilson, even though he is too. It's the guy throwing it to him. J.J. McCarthy, who was drafted not only in the top 10, but number eight overall. There's people saying this guy shouldn't be a top two pick. Or, I mean, a top uh, a one or two round pick. They're saying he shouldn't go until the third round. That was one of the most mind-blowing narratives to me because look what just happened in the NFL this season with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy went to the Super Bowl by being the point guard, by being the facilitator. And it worked. It worked so well. He can move around. He can get the ball where it needs to be. And I'm talking about Brock Purdy here. He's got semi-strong arm, but really just is in charge of getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And when you have a good offensive line, a good run game, and weapons on the outside, that's all you need in today's NFL if you have a good play caller. Last year, the Atlanta Falcons were a top 10 team in terms of rushing. So if you give J.J. McCarthy a great offensive line like he had in college, you give him some weapons like Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, you're going to be able to make something work here. Drake London, another wide receiver out there. I know people don't like this guy. He's undersized. He's not this. He's not big enough. He's going to be just fine. He was great at getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers in college, running the offense, and he did it damn well. Now, if he can do it in the NFL level, obviously that takes a bit of a... It's a lot harder. But there's... Scouts out there saying J.J. McCarthy's pre-snap recognition is the best in this year's NFL draft. So he went from being maybe not a first-round pick, five other quarterbacks in front of him. Remember the whole, oh, well, Michael Penix is definitely going to be drafted ahead of him. I heard that a thousand times during the national championship week. Bo Nix, this is the better system quarterback. Now all of a sudden, J.J. McCarthy's the top guy on this list. Um after the first three quarterbacks, which seem to be a consensus three. So let's, well, I guess we can hit nine really quick. Chicago Bears taking Rome Adunze from Washington. Uh, kind of a stud. You add him up with DJ Moore, Caleb Williams. That's kind of a scary duo out there in Chicago. It's my it's my scariest situation. I know a lot of people out there had the Packers as their scariest, biggest threat to the Lions. I think it's definitely the Bears. Okay, now, all the way to 29, the Detroit Lions, first mock draft we're doing this season, 989-837-6125. If you guys have a prospect you like, shoot in a text uh, to the Frick Sports Bar text line. But this guy on the NFL Draft Network has the Lions taking cornerback. Out of Iowa, Cooper DeGene. Now, Cooper DeGene is someone who can play multiple positions in the outfield. And if you are a Michigan State fan, you might remember this guy for bringing back that punt return versus Michigan State. This is someone who gets the ball in his hands and is just a menace to society on the football field. Four touchdowns in the past two seasons for the guy. He plays defense, by the way. Three of those were interceptions. One of them was a punt return. He's an athlete. I mean, that's the best way to put it. 
Iowa State champion in long jump and the 100-meter dash in high school. Also in high school, played four sports. He's a corner, 6'2", about 206 pounds. He can play man. He can play zone. In fact, that's one of his pros in the the draft references. He's going to be really good at both of them. Can play corner, can play slot, can play safety. Can do a lot of different things. Doesn't have, here's his knock. Doesn't have as fluid as hips as you'd like. Can get burnt deep right off the line of scrimmage. But if you're the Lions and you're looking for a cornerback, this is one of those guys who everybody thinks has a really high floor in this mock draft. Now, the closer we get to the draft, the more I just feel like Brad Holmes is going to take an offensive lineman. And I know the Lions already have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. But Taylor Decker is on the older side of things. Frank Ragnow is on the older side of things. I'm going to write in that you're getting Graham Glasgow back. But if Jonah Jackson walks, you need to replace someone. And you can't just replace a starting offensive lineman with a third-round pick and expect to still have the best line in football. You have to take someone who's a first-rounder. Because usually there's only about one or two first-round interior offensive linemen the entire draft in the first round that are willing to just that most NFL teams are willing to come in and take immediately. Uh, The guy who comes to mind is Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. Keep your eyes on this guy. He is flat-out sensational, was unreal in the Pro Bowl, and I think could step in and be a starter right away for this Detroit Lions team. We'll have more mock drafts to come. Uh, Mock uh, draft just over two months away. Free agency, only a few weeks away. We're creeping up on things. Football season. It never ends. All right, lock of the day and winners and winders coming up here on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. 989-837-6125. All right, it's that time of the day. I think it's time to make some money. Maybe. There it is. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. Did not hit yesterday. Uh, We took Iowa's team under, so we're one and one on the week. Iowa ends up going to Michigan State and just going on cruise control, speeding up the pace of the game, controlled their own pace, did not hit. I stand by the theory behind it, though. I still think we had the right idea. Michigan State just did not execute. So today, we're going to the NHL. Gosh, we need the NBA back. That's That's when we were hot. That's when we made our money. The NBA's back tomorrow. We'll get back on the hot train. Uh, hopefully tonight, though. Bet. When the Maple Leafs, thanks, Brad. When the Maple Leafs cover one and a half at home versus the Coyotes. It pains me to take the Maple Leafs because, you know, the Red Wings are in the midst of a playoff race. But Toronto is hot right now. Uh, winners of the last, winners of four straight. And in those four games, outscoring their opponents 21 to 8. They are torching teams right now on offense. The Coyotes have the ninth worst scoring defense in the NHL. You can get Maple Leafs minus one and a half for plus money. I think they continue the hot streak at home against an inferior opponent. And unfortunately, they keep scoring. They keep winning. They keep getting two more points. A win today would put them at 70 wins. Red Wings sitting at 64 wins. So just still a few games out from them. Every game matters now for the Wings. We'll have more on that tomorrow when they take on... The avalanche. That's what they take on tomorrow. All right, there you have it. That was 
lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. Let's close that out with some Wednesday winners and whiners. Such a great song. All right. Let's start things out with a whiner. Draymond Green. I mean, we covered it a little bit earlier, but really, man, like, it takes some crazy confidence, maybe like irrational confidence to say I could be, I could be whooping butt in college basketball as a head coach when you've never coached before. It's a wild thing to say, especially when you've been in anger management in the last couple of weeks. Maybe he meant it in a more literal fashion. Trying to pull up the tweet again. He said, personally, I think if I ever coached college basketball, I'd destroy all these guys. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe you'd be average. All right, a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. (laughs) Uh, Tony Barbie, Central Michigan head coach, just continues to win and win and win. The Chippewas are 3-0 in overtime now. Yes, sir. Picked up the win last night versus Bowling Green which secures them a spot in the MAC tournament. You win the MAC tournament, you're going to the conference, you're going to the the big dance, March Madness. MAC team usually gets the 12 seed, and everybody knows the secret behind the 12 seeds, the most upset seed there is, 12 versus 5 matchup. It's exactly what you're looking for. There's five seeds out there that Central can beat. If you haven't made it out to a Central game yet this year, I would recommend it. They're fun. They put on a good show. One of the best defensive teams in the nation, according to Ken Pop. All right. Give me a whiner. Uh, Monty Williams. So this goes back to something he did last week. He got got mad at the Suns for putting out a statement saying Isaiah Stewart basically initiated the fight that got him put in jail. Yeah. If you know anything about the Pistons the last four years and have ever seen Isaiah Stewart play basketball, I think it can be assumed that Isaiah Stewart started this madness that got him arrested in Phoenix for starting that little fight with Drew Eubanks. Monty Williams just had to go complain about it. I think he just has bad blood with the Suns. Also, any chance I can get to uh, poke fun at Monty, I'll take. Isaiah Livers hasn't played a minute for Washington. Kinley Hayes was cut and still has not been picked up. Those guys were playing 20 and 24 minutes per game for the Pistons. It's a Monty Williams problem more than anything. Give me a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. How about A.J. Hinch? Now, hear me out on this one. A.J. Hinch has been the general manager, uh, the manager for the Tigers for three straight seasons. And in each of those years, the Tigers have gone under 500. But somehow it's never put on him. Nor should it be. So the fact that he has remained job secured, high Q rating, everybody likes him. And the Tigers have never been above 500 since he's taken over. I'd consider him a winner. How about a whiner? Uh, Jaden Ivey. So Jaden Ivey got to participate in All-Star Weekend. Not because he was an All-Star, let's be clear. But he got to play in the little Rising Stars game. And in that game, he got to play with Benedict Matherin. These two started chirping. More than, uh, this was the best competition we had at the All-Star Game. And I know nobody cares about All-Star Weekend, but these guys were jawing at each other. Benedict Mathurin even yelled at Jaden Ivey, they should have picked me. Jaden Ivey did not like that. He actually went 
kind of toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose for a little bit. It's just real tough if you're Jaden Ivey to start beefing with people when you currently have the worst record in the NBA. I get it. Ivey's been playing good as late. But we do get to settle this tomorrow on the court. Pistons versus Pacers. Jaden Ivey versus Benedict Mather. And there's also a little bit more turmoil coming up with the Pacers, which brings me to a winner. Tyrese Halliburton had some not-so-nice things to say about the Pistons. Uh, Rightfully so. He basically was on a podcast this week and said, yeah, I, I was shocked when the Pistons didn't take me. I took it very personally when the Pistons didn't take me because I knew they needed a point guard. Lamella was going to go before me. And when the Pistons got up to the board, I just assumed I was going to be the pick. Well, who did that pick end up peeing? Killian Hayes, who we just went over, is currently not employed by the NBA. Tyrese Harrelbunt was just an all-star. In fact, many people think he should have been the all-star game MVP. Take with that what you want. Avoided catastrophe. That's why he's a winner. Avoided being stuck in this organization. Let's go with a whiner. Juwan Howard, because why not? You go on to tell everyone thank you last week. I mean, that was the last week's story, but uh, maybe let's just write it in for tomorrow. Juwan Howard's going to say something dumb after they get slapped in the face by... uh, (laughs) You like that play on words? Slapped in the face by Northwestern tomorrow at Northwestern. It's just a whiner because he is a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Michael Rasmussen for the Red Wings. Gets a four-year extension, $3.6 million annual average. Now he's locked up by the team that drafted him for the next four seasons. So congratulations to Rasmussen. Gets a little extension, gets a little pay increase. The Red Wings in the middle of a playoff race. How about a whiner? Justin Fields. He's been in the news the last couple of days, really the last couple of months, but things have heated up here in the last couple of days. He unfollowed the Bears on social media, which is just such a... such a petty thing to do that you have to go out of your way to do, and it What does it really, what good does it do? What good can it do? You know the reaction you're going to get. If you just are simple, like if you're that naive to think there won't be one, that's, that's one thing. But he went on the St. Brown Brothers podcast, I think yesterday, and basically said, well, I just was going on vacation. I didn't want football in my life when I was on vacation. So I unfollowed the Bears. I unfollowed the NFL. Story comes out today from ESPN. If he could play anywhere, it would be Chicago. He loves these fans. He loves this city, but he gets it. It's business. Justin, you are not playing for the Bears next year. That's what it feels like at this point. So I hate to break it to you. uh, Unfollowing the Bears on Instagram. All this nonsense. All this drama. Just stay under the radar, man. Just stay out of the headlines. Don't have to get in front of a microphone. Or else you end up on the whiners list. Got one more winner for you. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. How about J.J. McCarthy? All season long, it was, oh, J.J. McCarthy. Not a first-round pick. He's not an NFL talent. Well, who's going to get the last laugh here when he's drafted top 10, top 8, top 15, whatever it is. There's multiple teams that have shown interest in him at this point. 
One of those teams is the Atlanta Falcons. One of those teams, which they have enough weapons. They have the offensive line to support them. One of those teams is the Broncos. Sean Payton just wants a system quarterback. People debate it's Bo Nix. People debate um, it's J.J. McCarthy. Raiders, another team that are looking for a QB. J.J. McCarthy continues to rise up draft boards. All right, there you have it. Winners and whiners on the day. Uh, just a few more minutes left together. 989-837-6125. I want to go back to something uh, to do with the Lions. So a lot of people are going to be upset when if the Lions decide to elect an offensive lineman, a tackle, or a guard with that first-round pick. But if you want to sustain what the Lions have built over the past few seasons, the upfront, the control of the line of scrimmage, you can't be upset with the pick. It's not flashy. It's not, bo- it's, it's not exciting. It's not this lockdown co- corner named Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's the headline pick that Brad Holmes was talking about. But what an offensive lineman would do is sustain what you have, especially in the first round, because you can't bank on... Yeah, yeah, you drafted a great receiver in the fourth round. That kind of stuff typically doesn't happen with offensive linemen. Usually you know. Usually you have a pretty good idea. Okay, this guy's going to be a future Hall of Famer. That's what it was with Panay Sewell. I mean, if you go back and look at the Panay Sewell draft, the six people drafted ahead of him, it's a joke. (laughs) It's a joke. I'm convinced if that draft was redone, the 2021 uh, NFL draft, Penesul would be probably one of the top three picks because this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. And we know that at 22, 23 years old, I mean, it was Trevor Lawrence one. I don't think Jacksonville would do that again. Maybe they'd tell you they would, but let's be honest. Zach Wilson, obviously not doing that. Trey Lance, 49ers really regret that one. Kyle Pitts hasn't done anything in the NFL. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle go five and six. Who really who realistically is is repicking their same guy? Maybe Cincinnati, and that's it. Cincinnati's probably bringing back Jamar Chase. But Atlanta, I mean, maybe these teams would tell you that's what they'd do over again, but I bet you all these teams would very much like to have Panay Sewell. So if the Lions elect to trade up or use that 29th pick to take an offensive lineman, don't be alarmed. It's going to get bad grades. You're going to get the, well, why would the Lions draft an offensive lineman when they already had one of the better ones in the country? I can see the national headlines now. It's to sustain what they have built. So don't get your panties in a bunch when Brad Holmes decides to do something against what everyone wants him to do, um, which is draft a corner, draft an edge guy. Hey, if all the corners are gone by 29, and if all the edge guys are gone by 15, just not be surprised. And Brad Holmes has been great at using those later round picks to move around and steal guys right when the, before they're about to be taken. Did it with Brian Branch last year. How is Brian Branch still there? Don't know. But the Lions used their picks, got up, and said, there's no way this guy should still be there. And they took him. That's the Brad Holmes approach. Not saying we should blindly follow it, but it has worked in the past. So just let's let him cook for a little bit. All right, there you have it. We'll be back tomorrow. Red Wings in action, Pistons in action, Michigan in action all tomorrow. Doubt we get to Michigan because that is a headache to watch. But Red Wings playing some meaningful hockey. That's all we wanted this time of year. We'll be on that tomorrow. Thanks for listening, guys. That was the payoff, and I hope it was worth it. 
from the Blazy Electric Studios. This is Sports Radio 100.9 The Mitt. WLUN, Pinconning Bay City, Saginaw Midland.